This is the local Yokel Idaho Midweek Report, where we give you guys a quick overview of the news in Idaho for last week. We have a very full midweek report, just like our main episode, from talk of the Caldwell Dome Church being torn down, catch a makeover, Bingham GOP backing out of caucus, Celso Medical struggling, Bitcoin and drones. We have a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into it. Starting with our first one here, Caldwell Dome Church faces potential demolishment for affordable housing project. This comes by the Boise Deb by Autumn Robertsons. Caldwell, known for its rich history and unique landmarks, may soon see a significant change in its cityscape. The iconic Caldwell Dome Church, a set of three geodesic domes built in 1977, is facing potential demolishment. The domes, which were initially constructed for the First Assembly of God Church, were listed for sale last year for $3.9 million. Now, the future of this distinct property hangs in the balance as the Caldwell Planning and Zoning Commission reviews an application for its redevelopment. Kimberly Horn, a design consulting firm, has proposed a 152-unit affordable apartment project for the dome site, which is conveniently located just a five-minute drive from Indian Creek Plaza. The proposed development, named the Dome Church Apartment, would include a mix of one to four bedroom units across five buildings, totaling 312 bedrooms. The project also promises to meet the IHFA green building standards, incorporating high-efficiency lighting, ventilation, irrigation, and water-saving measures. The proposed development would not only provide affordable housing, but offer amenities such as clubhouse, picnic space, a dog park, and over 20,000 square feet of open space. The nose canal would beautifully wrap around the south side of the project, adding to its appeal. However, the fate of the dome is not yet sealed. The Planning and Zoning Commission will make a decision on the dome's church apartment applications on Wednesday at 6 p.m. As we await the verdict, we are reminded of the delicate balance between preserving our city's history and accommodating its growth. And speaking of planning and zoning commissions, Nampa's planning and zoning commission faces pushback on concrete batch plant. This comes by KTVB7 by Abby Davis. Nampa residents are voicing their concerns over a proposed concrete batch plant that could rise south of the city's airport. The City of Nampa's Planning and Zoning Commission has postponed a public hearing to February 27th, leaving community members like Vince Amberst feeling disappointed and questioning the commission's representation of their interest. Utah-based Sunrock is seeking a new conditional use permit for the plant after the first one expired due to the company not applying for the pit in time. While last year's approval process faced little opposition, this time around, residents like Patty Quinn are raising alarms about the potential health risks, particularly to children from exposure to cement dust. Amberst shared these concerns, stating that the potential for traffic increases, air pollution, and water contamination. He argues that the plant is out of place in a residential area and should be located further from schools and homes. Dry Campbell, who recently purchased a house nearby, fears the plant could lead to decreased property values and harm the community's health and aesthetic. Despite these concerns, Sunrock spokesperson has stated the company's commitment to community growth and infrastructure needs, emphasizing the compliance with city requirements. The Planning and Zoning Commission's upcoming decision could either approve with conditions or deny the project. Community members and Sunrock will then have two weeks to appeal the decision. And also speaking of things the community seems to be not liking, Kootenai County's cell tower controversy, a legal battle over 5G expansion. This comes by the Coeur d'Alene slash Postfall Press by Kane Thornbrew. Last year, AT&T filed a federal lawsuit against Kootenai County after their application for a conditional use permit to build a 150-foot lattice tower was ultimately denied. The tower, which AT&T claimed would expand coverage by 20 miles, 
was initially approved by Commissioner Bill Brooks and Chris Filios, with Leslie Duncan opposing. However, after a group of 47 neighbors pushed for a reconsideration, the project was axed by newly elected Commissioner Bruce Mateer's decisive vote in January 2023. AT&T is now arguing that the county's denial was not only unlawful, but also is in violation of the Telecommunications Act of 1996. They assert that the county's actions effectively prohibit the installation of necessary telecommunication facilities and that they are asking the court to declare the county's denial void. Kootenai County, on the other hand, stands firm in its decision, denying AT&T's allegations and maintaining that the telecom giant has not proven a significant coverage gap in the area. Adding another layer to this legal tangle, Potlatch Neighborhood Group, along with five individuals, attempted to join the fray in defense of the county's decision. However, their motion to intervene was denied by the U.S. District Court Judge Amanda Blaisford, who ruled that the county could adequately represent their interests. As the case continues, with the dispositive motion due by March 29th, the community watches. This lawsuit not only highlights the tension between corporate interest and local governance, but also underscores the complexity of balancing technological advancement with the preservation of neighborhood character. Speaking of character in our local communities, our next one is Ketchum Main Street Makeover. This comes by the Boise Dev by Sydney Kidd. Ketchum is on the brink of a transformation with plans to revamp Main Street, a project that promises not only to repair a road worn by time, but also to enhance the city's charm with new bike lanes, public art, and a welcoming monument. Since 1993, the street has shown clear signs of aging, and the city is poised to address these issues head-on while simultaneously enriching the pedestrian experience. During a recent public meeting, residents of Ketchum had the opportunity to voice their preference on the aesthetic aspects of Main Street redesign. The city administrator, Jade Riley, alongside engineering consultant representing various concepts, focused on the integration of bike lanes and the beautification of sidewalks. The Idaho Transportation Department is set to fund the project with the city of Ketchum at the helm of execution. The sidewalk furnishings are a key component of the redesign, with plans to introduce a more cohesive and functional streetscape. Proposed additions include bike racks, benches, street trees, and enhanced bus stops, with public input favoring covered stops and informative reading boards. Artistic and historic elements are set to play a significant role in the new design, with public art and signage that pay homage to Ketchum's rich heritage, including the Shoshone-Bannock tribes, mining, skiing, and notably figures from the area. The majority of the survey respondents expressed enthusiasm for these cultural inclusions. As Ketchum looks forward to the final round of public meetings on February 14th and 15th, the city is gearing up to finalize the design and prepare for construction in April. With a focus on both infrastructure and aesthetic, Ketchum's Main Street is set to become a testament to the city's commitment to progress and preservation. For those that are interested for more details on the project, they can be found at projectketchum.org. Hey, if you're enjoying the Midweek Report, do us a favor and hit the like button on YouTube, Rumble, or Twitter. It helps us reach more folks who love Idaho just like you. Now, speaking of kind of government things and moving into politics again a little bit, I'm County GOP steps back from presidential caucus. This comes with the East Idaho News by Mary Boyle. The Bingham County Republican Central Committee, or BCRCC, that's not a mouthful at all, has announced that it will not plan or organize the county's presidential caucus on March 2nd. This isn't comes after the Idaho GOP Executive Committee voted to remove the BCRCC from planning and executing the caucus on January 6th. 
the BCRCC leadership had registered as a precinct and caucus coordinators in November, a move confirmed by the Idaho Freedom Foundation by board chair Brett Regan. However, the state GOP leadership, including Dorothy Moon, Brett Regan, Mark Fuller, and Brian Smith, have made it clear that they do not want the BCRCC running the caucus in Bingham County. Committeeman Ben Fuhrman has accused the state GOP leadership of usurping the BCRCC's rights to manage the caucus location and working behind the scenes with an unelected group, the Bingham Conservatives, to organize the caucus. This has led to the elimination of Aberdeen's polling location, along with the precinct and caucus captains, despite caucus rules stating a polling place must be within 19 miles of the community. 17 of the 22 BCRCC members have decided not to participate or work with their respective precincts during the presidential caucus to prevent further confusion to the Bingham County constituents. However, the BCRCC encourages voters to attend the caucus and vote, and they plan to do the same. This decision and others' disputes between the county party and the state GOP leadership are still in litigation, and the members of the BCRCC have agreed to stand down until the matter is resolved. In keeping with kind of some city-related things, Caldwell City Council to decide on funding for Valley Regional Transit. This comes by the Boise Dev by Autumn Robertson. The future of public transit in Caldwell is up for debate as the city council considers a significant increase in its budget for the Valley Regional Transit, or VRT. Caldwell's contribution to the VRT for the fiscal year 2024 to cover existing services stands at about $345,000. However, Mayor Jerome Wagner has highlighted a demand for more bus services in the city, leading the council to consider increasing VRT's funding to $645,000 for the fiscal year 2024. The additional $300,000 could cover the introduction of two new bus routes, Route 56 and Route 58, aimed at improving connectivity and accessibility for residents. Despite initial approval for the increased budget, some council members are now expressing reservations. The city brought in VRT officials to review the numbers, with VRT stating that each new route would cost the city about $150,000. Without the additional funding, VRT's chief development officer, Stephen Hunt, warned that the new routes would likely be scrapped and planned upgrades to existing routes would need to be adjusted. The council's concerns are further complicated with comparisons with neighboring Nampa, which contributes less to VRT despite having a large population. VRT CEO Elena Clegg explained that Nampa has committed to increasing its yearly contribution over the next three years despite facing budget challenges due to legislative constraints. The council's decision, set to be made at its February 6th meeting, will have significant implications for Caldwell's public transit system and its residents. As the city awaits this crucial decision, residents are invited to share their views at the public hearing, underscoring the importance of community involvement in shaping the future of public transit in Caldwell. And speaking of funding issues, financial struggle pushes Seltzer Medical to the brink of closure. This comes by the Boise Dev by Donde. Seltzer Medical, a Nampa-based healthcare provider, is facing an uncertain future. Owned by Utah's Intermountain Health, Seltzer operates nearly a dozen locations across Ada and Canyon Counties offering a range of services from family medicine to urgent care. However, due to financial and economic challenges, Seltzer may have to cease operations by March 29th unless a buyer steps in. The potential shutdown of Seltzer Medical is expected to have a significant impact on the local community. According to Dr. Eric Richardson, Seltzer's Associate Medical Director of Family Health, 
The closure could affect over 100,000 patients and more than 400 employees. The company has assured that all Saltzer patients will be contacted about their options. Despite the looming shutdown, Saltzer remains optimistic about finding a buyer before the deadline. If successful, this could mean that employees may have the opportunity to continue their employment with the new organization. This comes as a glimmer of hope amidst the uncertainty. As the deadline approaches, the community, patients, and employees of Seltzer Medical await news of a potential buyer. The situation underscores the challenges medical providers face in maintaining financial stability while delivering essential services in the Pacific Northwest. Now, speaking of financial things, this one's a little bit more of a positive one. Idaho Bitcoin Progeny launches Idaho Mobile for statewide coverage. This comes by the East Idaho News by Nate Eaton. Idaho Falls is buzzing with news of Eric Finman, the local boy who turned Bitcoin progeny, who is now setting his sights on transforming the state's cell phone coverage with his latest venture, Idaho Mobile. At just age 25, Finman's resume is already impressive, from high school dropout to the youngest Bitcoin millionaire to a key player in the tech industry. Finman's story is one of ambition and innovation. His Bitcoin journey began at age 12 after a trip to Jefferson Memorial sparked his curiosity in cryptocurrency. Investing early with a gift from his grandmother, Finman rode the Bitcoin wave to a millionaire status by 18. His entrepreneurial spirit didn't stop there. He went on to start and sell a tech company, continuing to invest and innovate in the cryptocurrency space. Now, Finman is bringing his talents back home with Idaho Mobile, aiming to provide top-notch cell phone and internet service across Idaho. His approach is unconventional. Instead of erecting new towers, Idaho Mobile will deploy, quote, really big backpacks, end quote, filled with tech on existing structures to connect smartphones across the state. Finman's goal is to start in northern Idaho and expand coverage to the entire state by the end. But Idaho Mobile isn't just about coverage. It's about accessibility and affordability. With an introductory plan at just $11.99 a month, Finman is determined to make the service available to all. He is even willing to personally cover the cost for those in dire financial situations, ensuring that no Idahoan is left without the means to connect. Eric Finman's vision for Idaho Mobile is more than just a business. It is a commitment to his home state and a belief in the power of technology to improve lives. Has the show been valuable for you? Don't hesitate to share it. Your shares help us spread the word about our beautiful state. And speaking of things that are just beautiful, indulge your sweet cravings at Rexburg's Chocolate Plunge. This comes by the East Idaho News by Nate Eaton. Attention all sweet tooth enthusiasts in eastern Idaho. A delightful new business has just opened doors in Rexburg. Chocolate Plunge, the brainchild of Donna Waite, her nephew Ty Walker, and Kevin Hebner is serving up a delicious array of chocolate-covered treats. Inspired by the banana stands of Balboa Island in California, Waite and her team have brought a similar joy to Rexburg. Customers can indulge in a selection of ice cream bars and sandwiches, all dipped in a luxurious flow of melted chocolate from a fountain imported from Italy. To add to the decadence, these treats can be coated with a variety of toppings like toasted coconut, sprinkles, nuts, pretzels, and M&Ms. Not just stopping at ice creams, the Chocolate Plunge also offers frozen bananas and fresh strawberries drenched in chocolate, promising the best chocolate experience you've ever had. And for those who might want something a bit different, a soft-serve ice cream and sundaes are also available, with plans to expand the menu in the future. Donna Waite invites everyone to come and enjoy the happiness that chocolate brings, suggesting that, quote, the world is always a little better when you have chocolate every day, end quote. The Chocolate Plunge is open Monday through Saturday and is conveniently located at 155 West Main Street in the Zion Banks Shopping Center. 
Now moving forward, kind of a little bit of a sweet thing to let the medicine go down here. Idaho Legislative Committee suggests raise for state employees. This comes by the Bonner Ferry Herald by Kevin Rickert and Ryan Supa of Idaho Education News. A legislative committee's recommendation could lead to a 3% raise for state employees. This proposed increase, which is split into 1% across the board raise and 2% in merit increases, doesn't affect K-12 salaries, but also applies to state colleges and universities. Interestingly, these institutions have historically used student tuition and fees to cover part of such raises. The Joint Finance Appropriations Committee is set to review these recommendations, which could lead to adjustments in the, quote, maintenance, end quote, budget that was approved with a 1% pay raise as a placeholder. But there's more to the story. The raises are expected to cost about $52.8 million, with only $27.4 million coming from state general fund. The rest is anticipated to come from dedicated funds, which include student tuition and fees and federal dollars. This financial juggling act raises questions about the impact on higher education funding and the burden on students. In the background of these financial decisions, public opinion on education is also making waves. A recent Boise State University survey revealed that while Idahoans prioritize education, they are divided on the idea of a private school voucher program. The survey indicates a slight plurality in favor of such a program provided it doesn't deplete public school funds. Speaking of things related to education, Pocatello's Highland High School Restoration Dilemma. This comes by the East Idaho News by Kara Flandora. After a fire exacerbated existing issues at the already dated school, making it viable again has become a daunting task. This comes especially after voters denied a $45 million bond that would have restored and improved the school. Now, Pocatello slash Chubbuck trustees are considering running another ballot measure, but they're exploring all possible options to reduce the cost and find alternative solutions first. At a recent board meeting, trustees discussed a range of options from seeking cooperative sponsorships to sell unused land. They also considered what would happen if a second bond failed or if they tried to rebuild with just insurance money. However, the insurance could only cover restoring the 1960s era school as it was with some updates to adhere to modern building codes. Meanwhile, students are learning in a cramped building and traveling off campus for classes and practices. Even if a board measure passed in May, a restored and improved school would be years away from completion. In the midst of these discussions, an architectural analysis found Highland to be uninviting in need of improvement, primarily due to its age. The report highlighted issues such as uninviting environment, undersized auditorium, lack of ADA accessibility, potential asbestos risk, and a questionable roof. Hey, don't want to miss out on learning any more about Idaho? Make sure to subscribe or follow us so you don't miss any of our future content. And coming to our final and last story, speaking of kind of some cool things related to education, yes, not my best transition, but I'm going to go with it. Drones to the rescue, a year-in review of Fairmont County's weed control. This comes by the East Idaho News by Steve Sternberg of the Idaho Capital Sun. Revisiting a story we covered last year about the innovative use of drones in Fairmont County for noxious weed control, the South Fork of the Snake River near Idaho Falls is a beloved area for recreation and native Yellowstone cutthroat trout fishing. However, it is also a battleground against invasive weeds. Last year, we reported on the use of a DJI T40 drone by the Fairmont County Weed Department to treat a five-acre hillside infested with hound's tongue and musk thistle. Fast forward to today, the drones have proven to be a game changer. 
Chase Hirsky, assistant weed manager for Fairmont County and the drone pilot, reports that the drones have performed well and have found their place in the county's weed control program. They've allowed the county to treat more than 6,000 acres over a year, assisting partner agencies to treat weeds on state and federal lands. The drones have not only increased efficiency but also safety. They've replaced the need for crews to hike difficult terrain with backpack sprayers, reducing the risk of accident and injuries. The drones have also done a more complete job than a human operator can do, providing better coverage and faster plant reaction. Looking at Karibatargi National Forest is considering creating its own aerial weed control program. The drones have also been used for spreading seed to replant or reclaim sites, showing their versatility in land management. Thank you for listening to the entire report. I sincerely hope you found it valuable and enjoyable. If you like the midweek report, make sure to check out our full show where John and I talk about the main stories going on in Idaho. If we missed any important points or provided incorrect information, please feel free to reach out to us via email at localyokelidaho2022 at gmail.com or on Twitter by tweeting us at localyokelidaho. With a small team we have, we're not able to cover everything, but we do our best to cover the most interesting and important stories. Thank you for your continued support and assistance. That's all for now. I wish you a fantastic rest of your week. Godspeed. Godspeed.